listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. see everybody this morning. Um, I'll just like to say if you're, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, welcome. Um, glad you're here. Uh, we, um, like Pastor Kevin so, always says, what you see is what you get. Um, if, you, if you like what you see this morning, we certainly want to welcome you back. If you don't like what you see this morning, um, let us know. I don't know. <laughs> We're just us. Um, it's good to see everybody this morning. Hopefully, um, if you are new, uh, first time here, please a card in the back, fill that out. We'd like to give you a little um, something for, for visiting and remind you of us, and um, we'd love to, to get in touch with you. Um, so this morning, I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to um, talk about something um, that I was, I was thinking of uh, about a month ago when Pastor Kevin asked if I could um, if I could stand this morning, and um, this word came to mind, and I'm, I'm not sure why. And I started thinking on it, praying on it, and I, I wrote it down my my notes app on my phone, and I kept coming back to it and thinking, well, what can I share around that? Um, and uh, so I, you know, I hope what what I share this morning makes sense to you. I hope it lands. Um, on you, I've, you know, I ask God just to um, provide the message, and, and hopefully you'll find something here that will encourage you, something that will challenge you, something that will um, draw you closer to the Lord this morning. Um, we're going we're gonna to read this verse, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. So it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Um, God, we thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to share your word this morning. I just pray that uh, I would be out of the way. And God, that the words that, that you would have um, heard here today would, uh, would be spoken. Lord, may I not um, say uh, anything of my own, um, my own volition, but God, may it be um, inspired through you. God, we pray, Lord, that you would um, revelate our, our ears. Lord, help us to hear your word, bless our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive what you would have us here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So first, I want to, I want to start with the word, the world, right? So when you think of um, this, word, this word, it becomes a, it's a churchy word, isn't it? Uh, you, ne- you never hear anybody outside of the church talk about the world. Uh, because when we say the world in the church, I think we all kind of know what we mean by that. Maybe we don't. But the word, the original word here was, was cosmos. And it does not mean like the stars and sky and the planets. Um, that's the, the vision that it gives the world. But when we say the world in this context, 
We're talking about the things that are not of God. The things that the ruler of this world, Satan, would influence to take us the other direction from him. When we talk about worldly things, we're talking about things that would, would influence and tempt us to sin or would, would take us off the path that would be um, leading to God. And, and so what's shared here is the words is, do not love the world or the things in the world. We've probably, if, if you've gone to church long at all, you've heard the terms said, be, be in the world but not of the world. Right? You've heard that? Yes? No? Um, be, be in the world, but not of the world. And, and I think um, there's probably a little bit further we can take that statement. And what it means is simply that while we are in this world, we will be around um, things that are not of God. It, does, it means that, that while we're in it, we should not be participants of it. That while we're in it, we should not be influenced by it. When, um, when we did youth ministry, I, I like to use a, a, the, the, the example of analogy of you're either a thermometer or you are a thermostat. And what that means is as a thermometer, all it does is tell you what the temperature is in the room. And it changes based on the temperature of the room. But instead of being a thermometer that just reflects what's around you, be a thermostat. A thermostat has the power to change the temperature of the room. You can make it warmer or you can make it cooler. You are changing the environment instead of the environment changing you. And I think that's what it means to be in the world but not of the world. It goes on to say, if anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. So it's, a, it's kind of a warning to us that if we're finding ourselves loving the stuff out there more than God, then that might be a, an idea that I'm not operating under the love of the Father. I'm not operating with the love of the Father. I'm not operating with the Father in me. It goes on to say, for, the war, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So it, it goes on to help us understand a little better what he means by the world. And then there's the reminder that the world is passing away. In other words, it's temporary. It won't be forever. That, that, along with all of its desires, will soon be gone, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Thanks, y'all. Have a good day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, man, he blew through that. Well, that's not the word that I was thinking of. The word that came to my mind about a month ago was counterculture. Counterculture. So, um, what, what, is, what is counterculture? What does that mean? Well, I went and looked it up, so because, you know, that way I can give you a real definition, not just my thoughts of what it is. Um, 
a way of life and set of attitudes opposed to or at variance with the prevailing social norm. Um, I like this next one probably the best. It, it says the, the most. It says, a culture with values and mores that run counter to those of the established society. Counterculture could be a group of people who do and believe things outside of what society considers normal and typical. Um, that can be counterculture. So, um, think, think, so I, I wasn't alive in the 60s. Yeah, proud of that. No. Um, it was the 70s when I came along, but I remember the, the TV shows and the movies about the um, anti-war hippies. Do we have any hippies in here? Anybody admit I was a hippie? Yeah, I was a hippie. Um, a hippie, the anti-war movement, the hippies, those who opposed like Vietnam, that was considered counterculture. It's not what was popular. It was, hey, I'm going to take a stand for something that's not inside the norm of society, counterculture. Um, environmental groups, they used to call them tree huggers. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore, but it was environmental groups was kind of counterculture. You got to love the environment. And that's more and more uh, today we understand that, that it's not a bad thing to respect and, and take care of the environment. But when it becomes like this whole thing, then it's like a counterculture move because that's not the norm in society. We, we like our gas-guzzling cars, and we like, um, we like burning wood to eat meat. You know what I'm saying? Amen? Amen. Okay, thank you. Um, I spent all day yesterday burning wood so I could eat meat, right? Probably not environmentally friendly. We had to cut down trees to do it. We had to put smoke in the air. And so there would be people who would be like, dude, that's not cool. You should eat a plant. Um, I saw a meme on Facebook yesterday. It said, here's a Venus, here's a Venus flytrap. Um, said, vegans, even the plants disagree with you. <laughs> Anyways, um, counterculture are things that we used to see in the world and in our place that was just people who would, would just try to go against the grain. It's funny, you see subcultures. Um, I'm going to call some out, it's okay. Um, like, there's, there's an emo culture and a goth culture. And what's interesting about, like, emo and goth is that they all have black hair and really white skin, put eyeliner on, wear all black. And they're like, dude, it's because I don't want to look like everybody else. But then everybody else they hang out with looks just like them. <laughs> you know? So you're special just like everybody else. You know? We had, a, we had that sign up at work for a while. You're special just like everybody else. And that's how we feel with counterculture. Here's what I've, what I've kind of, we've seen um, over the last um, few years. Um, Christianity, being a born-again, Bible-believing, spirit-led, committed Christian is not social norm anymore. You're a weirdo. You're, you believe stuff way out there. Um, we can believe, we can, we can go and watch Superman and, and DC and Marvel and, and get lost in that, and they, the world puts Jesus in the same category 
as Iron Man. Um, that it's a, a make-believe story. And, but here's, here's, the th- here's my thing. If, if it's just make-believe, if I believe Superman is my Savior, people just look at me like, okay, dude, you're, you're little out there. But you'd be like, you do you. But when I mention Jesus, oh, now I've just done something that's offensive and in your face, and, and don't force your beliefs down my throat. Well, why? Why is that? I think it's because um, Satan doesn't care if you think Superman's the Savior. But Jesus, he opposes truth. We, Christians, true born-again believers of God, have become counterculture. There was a time when Christian belief and, and uh, values, morals were just a common accepted. And there, it's just slowly eroded to the point where it's no longer. In the church, we kind of have our own countercultures. I'm going to share a couple of just quick thoughts. We'll move on because I have to get them off my chest. Um, the countercultures in the church, number one. Um, we focus on the count. What I mean by that is you, we have a counter culture where we focus on the numbers. Success looks like, well, how many people go to your church? How many services do you have? Um, how much money did you take in? How long have you been a Christian? How how. I went to a church one time where they had, um, every year they would have awards for perfect attendance. And so you were measured, your spirituality was kind of measured by your church attendance. The more you were there, the more you must be committed, so therefore the better relationship you must have with God. And they gave pins for perfect attendance. And I knew somebody that had like a 25-year attendance pin. Never missed Never missed Sunday. Sunday school. Never missed. Now, they would give you a couple of weeks a year for vacation and not ruin your perfect attendance record. <laughs> but but that's, that's a, what I think is a counter culture where you're counting the numbers and you're counting how many and how much and how long. And, and that's, folks, when you focus on those kind of things, again, you're not focusing on the Word. You're not focusing on Him. I think that becomes... A problem. In and of itself, it's, it's probably not, but after a while, it becomes your righteousness. It becomes your achievement, not what God has done for you. Second, um, other kind of counter uh, culture we have in the church. Um, we have a transactional counter, like a consumer idea. There's a lot of churches today where their whole realm, everything they do is based on commercialism. Like they, they have people who get together, kind of like we have a board, and we talk about things, but we're not strategizing programs to see how we can entice more people to want to be here. Because that's not what it's about. It's not a social club. It's not a transaction. Some people come in and they look for the atmosphere. Um, there's a lot of churches today. Listen, I, if 
this is what God's called them to do. Wonderful. Please don't take this out of context. But sometimes you see and it looks and feels more like a concert than it does a worship service. It's about being entertained. It's about an exchange of ideas and an exchange of, for, for my time, you will entertain me. And we strive for perfection. We strive for excellence. In our, in our music, we, we practice, we get here early, and, and we go through things, and we, try to, we want to get it right. We want it to be a joyful noise to God. At the same time, we don't want it to be a hurtful noise in your ears. You know, that, that matters. Excellence matters. But when the focus turns more to how do we put together a set list that's going to invoke people to get an emotional response out of them, I think, is that in response to God or an emotional response to the beat of the music and the way it's been put together and presented for you to have a response. I would tell you that I worry about, well, well years ago we were, we were youth directors and there, the youth group was, um, was, was kind of small, but they were also um, counterculture. <laughs> they, they were rebellious to a certain extent. Um, they were really there to get away from mom and dad on Wednesday nights. Really. Something, hang out with friends. And so when we came in, we took over, we, um, we tried to start changing the culture of, of that youth group to, for people to want to be there. And we had folks after say, hey, you need to take them to this event, take them to this program, take them to that. And my worry always was, well, I can take them to these events and they might have, they might see or feel something that they're not getting at, home, at their home church. See, I think you got to have a foundation to be able to understand that, that experience. See, um, we are looking for atmosphere instead of, we're seeking atmosphere and not seeking the Spirit. You, you with me? We are looking for an exchange. I do this, you do that. But we're not looking to experience change. So many are looking for a transaction instead of just action. They're looking to be entertained rather than entering his presence. Amen? Now, now you didn't have to say amen just because I prompted you to do it. But I, I do that sometimes just to see if what I just said soaked in. Um, entertainment is not bad. It's not. At church, we shouldn't be entertained. We should be entering his presence. At, at church, we shouldn't come in looking for um, anything other than, than his presence. Um, and I, I believe, it's one thing I love about this church, we've been here 10 years, I think, already. 
Um, we came for the first time on an Easter Sunday morning. We had been looking for a church. Um, we woke up Easter Sunday and we're like, we can't just not go to church on Easter. I mean, everybody goes to church on Easter and Christmas. So we got, we got, to, we got to go somewhere. And I told Ann, she said, well, let's go to Oasis. And uh, we did. And Eugene sang um, Because He Lives. And um, I was hooked. Now, Angie didn't want to come back after. I'm just messing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my. Um, being the, the last, sorry, the last uh, counterculture, I kind of already mentioned this, um, but um, we, we really need to focus not on the transaction, the counter. We, we don't need to worry about the numbers and, and all those things. But, but we should embrace the counterculture that, um, that we've kind of found ourselves in, moved into. I think we're called to counterculture. I think we're called to be different. I think we're called for people in the world to see something different about me. I, I don't have to stand and preach and I, and I don't have to, to open the word of God every day. I have to live it out. I have to do it in a way that people recognize that that dude is not the same as everybody else I am encountering. It's counter to my culture. More and more shows, we've noticed recently, when you watch kind of shows on TV, Hollywood has turned Christians into crazy lunatics. For real, go watch them. Um, we watched uh, Manifest recently. We finished Manifest. It's a weird show. But, um, but they kind of took a, a turn on, like, belief. And so they sprinkled in some things, but then it's just kind of, it's just weird. And, and, and so many shows we encounter, if you start watching out, the Christian is the crazy lady next door. It's, it's the one who's just always in everybody's business. And, and you know what I'm saying? They, that's what we are being made out to be to them, to the world out there. Sometimes we earn that title. There are people absolutely in the world that earn the title and kind of perpetuate that. But we, as a body of Christ, should be living it out loud in a way that people recognize the joy and the abundant life that we have and we live in Christ. So, how can I live a consistent Christian life in a way that encourages and helps lead and point people to Christ? How can I be more like Him? How can I overcome the things in the world? I'm, I'm in it, but I'm not of it. How do I overcome those things? How do, I, how do I move past it? How do I let my light shine in, in the world? How? Well, Jesus in John 16, verse 31 to 33, Jesus said this. He, he, he answered them. So this is, 
Uh, in, in John 16, this is just before Jesus is going to be led to the cross. And up to this point, if you, if you look and, and read, um, there's, um, there's some scripture that, that, he's, that he gives and he starts speaking more plainly. You know, often he spoke in metaphors, parables, and he would, he would try to teach them things based on what they could relate to, okay? And, but in this portion of Scripture, he starts speaking just very point-blank, matter of fact. And they said, oh, listen how plainly he speaks. Now we believe him. So Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I've said these things to you. So listen, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, how do you overcome the things of the world? Well, you have to go to the one who's already overcome the world. Um, he, he says, now do you believe? I think the first step is you, you need to believe and trust. You need to believe him and who he is and what he can do for you. The first step is to believe and trust in Christ, call on his name, and be saved. If you're not a born-again believer of Christ... You have no chance of overcoming the world. When you are of the world, you have no chance of overcoming it. Jesus was never of this world. And he called people to be under him and through him. And when, when he speaks about believers, he says that you are not of the world. See, you've been called out You've been set aside, you've been cleansed from your sins, and now Jesus is how you overcome the world. Know that, um, second, that in the world you will have troubles. We are in this world. As a Christian, as non-believers, you're in the world, and there will be troubles. No one is exempt from troubles. Not anyone Life is hard. Teenagers say it all the time. That's not fair. That's right. That's, that's how life works. Life is not fair. There, no, everybody doesn't follow the rules. People don't think of how they can make your life better today. You will have troubles. There will be tribulation. In this world, there will be tribulation. But Jesus said, take Heart, I have overcome the world. So if you, if you want to overcome it, if you want to live a consistent Christian life, it has to be through the power of Christ. Know it's temporary. Anything in life is temporary. Years ago, um, my daughter, 
Um, she's, 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 had her, she's had more than her share of tribulation in this world. Before she turned 10 years old. And a few years ago, I get the phone call. She has tried to overdose. And they're rushing her to the Children's Hospital in Augusta, Georgia. At the time, she was in, she was in Georgia. And um, I beat the ambulance to the hospital in Augusta from here. Um, I didn't speed <laughs> much, <laughs> much. Um, that's a call that you wish nobody ever has to experience. Um, I, I pray for her constantly because the only one that can help her is Jesus. You can't overcome the things of this world. Can't. She's doing much better, by the way. She's got two little kids. She's in Texas. Her husband's in the military. Pray, pray for her. She's, she's alone right now with the two kids because her husband's on deployment, and um, it's going to be eight, eight, nine months before she gets back, before he gets back. And then they head to uh, Belgium for like three or four years. So good for us. We're going to go eat chocolate and waffles. Woo-hoo. Um, <laughs> But pray for her. Um, you know, she, she's been very open about her past. That's why I don't, um, I don't hesitate to share that with you. Um, and, and, but I, I say that to say this, um, and I've told her this. Never turn to a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Yeah. Don't, permanent solutions, temporary problems, it's all just temporary. Guess what? The sun rises tomorrow. And it might be worse, it might be better, but it's still temporary. Remember that verse we read back in 1 John chapter 2 that says, um, the world is passing away along with all its desires? It's, it's bound. It's happening. I want to be the one that abides in God forever. This world can pass away. It will eventually. It's just temporary. But I will be standing with him. That's the permanent solution that you need to turn to. Move on from yesterday because all that lives there is our ghosts. It's hauntings. It's regret. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, sometimes it's fond memories. Sometimes it's I just can't wait for this to, to go away. But yesterday is you can do nothing about yesterday. Time spent, time's gone. Move on from yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be what tomorrow will be. The only thing you have is right now, today. Today. Live it. So how do you live a better, committed Christian life? Don't focus on forever. Focus on now. The decision you make now, today. Moment to moment. Oh, I lost that battle. Move on. I wish that... 
Move on. You just have today. That's why Scripture says that now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. It is hard to keep life from feeling so overwhelming. I don't know about you, but there have been days that I did not want to crawl out of bed. That I did not want to face what I needed to face. Someone said this to me, said this to me recently. He's not here, so I'm going to call him out, Austin. My son Austin said this to me. He's taking some course. It's funny. I thought it was funny, but at some point it, it hit me at a very deep level. Because he said, Dad, I'm, I'm taking this course. It's really good. We're five days in and I'm four days behind. <laughs> I feel that. You ever feel that way? We're five days in I'm four days behind. That's what it feels like. Life gets overwhelming. It gets tough. Um, but the truth is you don't have to keep up. You don't. You don't have to have all the stuff that the neighbor has and all the things. You don't have to have all that. No. You just go as far as you can today. Somebody asks, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Start with the ears. They're delicious, just so you know. Um, That's all you got to do is just take one day at a time. There's an old song. Remember that song? How many remember that song? Yeah, the young people don't know it. We're going to sing it next week. (laughs) (laughs) One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Just one day. Put your trust in Jesus, not the world. Stop worrying about what the world says, what the world believes, what the world thinks. Let go of those things. The world is a product of the enemy, and the enemy is a liar and a thief. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Have you lived that life? Just to kill, steal, and destroy? Just to bring you down? Just to pull you underwater? Just to knock the breath out of you? Just to keep you? Controlled. Jesus said, I came that they may have life, have it abundantly. Joy, peace, casting all my cares upon him. He cares for you. All of it, every burden, everything that robs your joy, everything that robs your peace. Everything that robs your abundance, that's not Christ. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I come that you might have joy. I come that you might have peace. I said these things so that you may have peace. What does that mean? Well, you know what? The situation is still there. The situation's still the same. The problem is still the problem. But I got peace knowing that I can walk through it because all that is temporary. All I have is today, right now. Last thing I want to share with you um, 
When I say the Lord's Prayer, what comes to your mind? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, King come. Yeah. I learned King James, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I had to say that as an eight-year-old in my grandma's church so they could give me a pencil. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Get it in there. But when we think about the Lord's Prayer, that's, a, that's the, the scripture we go to. But I, I want to submit to you that that's not the Lord's Prayer. That's the Lord's model prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. It's a, it's a, a template for a prayer. But that wasn't his prayer as much as he's saying, you want to know how to pray? This is how you do it. These are the things you focus on. You give him the glory, and, and then you, God, you know, help us, deliver us from that's what. That's how you pray, folks. I want to read you Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer. John 17. Ready for this? When Jesus had spoken these words, what words? Well, he had just got done saying, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay? Then he says, He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you've given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you've given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you. Stop for a second. How do you get eternal life? That you know the one true God. Through Christ, he's the door. All that come must come through him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He goes on. He says, I've manifested your name to the people. I've, I, have, I have presented you to the people. I've made your name known to the people whom you gave me out of the world Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you've given me is from you. He's talking about his disciples. He's talking about those that, that have followed him and have listened. And, and now he says, verse 8, For I've given them the word that you gave me, and they've received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I'm praying for them. Now imagine standing there. And Jesus, the Son of God in flesh, says, God, I've done all that I can do. And I've given the words that you've given me to give. And these have believed. And, and they, now you have eternal life. And they, and they have you. They believed 
And I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now, I'm coming to you. And these things, I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Did you, did you, did you hear that? Hold on. He said, I, they, they, they hated me because I'm not of the world. And they trusted in you and, and they're not of the world. They, they believed in your word and the world hates them too. Right? Counter culture. But I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm not asking you to put them on their own little island. Kumbaya Island. I'm not asking you to take them and, and set them aside over here and put a hedge around them and keep them safe. Uh-uh. It's not what I'm asking I just ask that you keep them from the evil one. Pray that God keep me from, from the evil one, keep me from the world. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Okay, reach and teach. Right there, reach, teach. We are not of the world, right? We're in the world, we're not of the world. Remember at the beginning I said we need to change that a little bit. I'm in the world, not of the world, but I'm sent to the world. Hold on. We're, we're, not, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're sent to it. We're sent. You, if you want to live a consistent Christian life, pray these words, just as Jesus prayed, Father, help me. And he said, I, I've sent them to the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Okay, remember, I, I, hey, imagine yourself standing there, and Jesus says, I'm praying for, for you. The power of the Son of God is going to pray for you. Well, hold on. Hold your britches. Verse 20. He said, I do not ask for these only, but also those who will believe in me through their word. Say what? Hallelujah. Amen. Raise your hand if you believe. Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for you. He said, I 
don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that we may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. He just prayed. They're saved. They believe in the word. Father, we're making a place for them in heaven. That's my will. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you've sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So, um, how about this? I want to be a stronger, closer Christian, you start um, by, by being saved. Um, being a Christian doesn't mean I was raised in church. Being a Christian doesn't mean um, my grandma made me go every Sunday. Um, and this, my family goes to this church. So therefore, um, yeah, I, I have Christian beliefs. You might have Christian beliefs. doesn't mean you're a Christian. Amen? So born again means you trusted Christ. You believe he is Messiah. And he died on the cross for your sins. Rose again the third day. He has the power to save you, give you eternal life. Give you the word of God so that you can have the Father and the love of the Father in you. So what do you do? First, um, we're called out so we can be sent in. First, get saved and say, God, send me. How do we know we're serving in the world? Or becoming like it? How do you know that I'm serving and not just becoming like it? A church. Number one, you got to focus on the word and not the world. I think you can have all that stuff. I think you can have light shows and fog machines and fancy music and, and hard rocking guitars and drums and saxophones. And <laughs> Lord knows we need this. You need a keyboard, right? Um, we can do all that stuff. But the focus has to be on the word, not the world. We, a theme you heard through his prayer, all throughout it. You and me, and I and you, and they in us. Unity. Stop pushing against what God wants you to be and do. Be unified with him. One mind, one accord. Unity. Strive for unity. You know, often um, things pop up in churches. You know how a lot of churches, why we have so many churches in the United States? Let me just back up there. You know why? And it's, pro it's not because God called so many people to go out and start churches. I don't believe that. We have so many churches because people can't get along. Say what? Yeah. There's a lot of churches that started because the church split because they didn't, couldn't agree on the carpet color. Or that person took the last piece of chicken. 
True story. I've heard that. There are churches that split. And, and so the church is the one organization in the world that, that adds by division. Think about that. Christ called us to unity. Third, focus on others, not yourself. The more you look for how you can be something to somebody else, the less important you become. And same time, the more important you become to somebody else. In his kingdom, the last will be first and the first should be last. Don't seek a place at the table. Jesus reminds us, remember all these lessons in Luke, don't go sitting down best place and then it gets embarrassing when the host asks you to move. Instead, sit in the lowest place. And when the host invites you to a place of, of regard, how much more does that show? Make the Father's name known. The last verse there. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Why? That the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Strive to have the Father's love. If you force it, no. True love doesn't have to be forced. It happens. And people will see a difference. Counterculture. Live a life that's different. That's why I encourage you to do today. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for... Um, for your message, for your word. God, I, I just hope that um, something that was shared today will be an encouragement and um, will be a challenge or that we will um, seek ways to embrace um, your word, embrace your love. God, that we can make a difference to others. We're not in the world. We're of the world. We're sent to it. God, help us be um, a, uh, a sergeant, representative change.